again, everybody, and welcome back to our podcast, Life's Learning Curve. I'm your host, Paul Hart, former educator, tech guy, and current media producer. What is Life's Learning Curve? Okay, well, life has given me an awful lot of really diverse adventures, and I have volumes of interesting people and stories where this is where all these elements, they all came together. And on this podcast, we share these stories. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's guests. And we slowly begin to realize how our lives have altered or modified or changed. And we adjust to that change. And we are on the way to becoming a better us. Now today, we're going to take kind of a nostalgic look back at something I call good old 39, and 39 was the number of a bus. The term good old came from my grandfather. He used to put good old in front of a lot of things. I think it was something from his generation. If there's somebody on the street that he ran into, it was, hey, there's good old Jonesy. Good old Jonesy. After I told him about my new bus that I was going to be riding, he'd say, oh, good old 39. Did you ride good old 39 today? <laughs> Life's learning curve. We'll be right back. Sebastian. Life's Learning Curve. I'm Paul Hart. Episode Good Old 39. Stand by. I loathe the bus. Was a quote from a classic 1984 John Hughes film called 16 Candles. When the protagonist in the movie, there's a girl and she must ride the bus daily because she's 15. She's still too young to drive or be driven by friends. So she must get on the bus every day and face those all those types of characters that ride the bus. From the immature, obnoxious boys caught up in their geekdom all the way to just the awkward, weird types who keep to themselves. You know, what's interesting is that we all kind of fell into these categories but with no idea whether we were that awkward, quiet kid or that obnoxious, loud kid, or we just blended into the background. My first bus. My first opportunity to ride the bus came in second grade when my sixth grade sister Sue and I switched schools. I will never forget riding the school bus for the first time. What if my driver doesn't stop at my stop? What if I'm on the wrong bus? Right. What if I can't find my way back home? Yeah. Now, back when I was growing up, back in the second grade year at least, there wasn't a lot of hand-holding coming from my parents. Just a very confirming statement to quell my fears about the whole bus thing. Usually from my mom. Well, what if, what if the bus doesn't stop at my stop? My mom would say, That won't happen. You'll get home. Now, I never asked what-if questions too much. What if I don't get home? I already knew her answer. You'll get home. Mom. Ed. You could speak good today. My first bus driver was an older man named Ed. Now, let me tell you, Ed had a kind smile. He also had this shock of bright white hair on top of his head. He had a long, lanky body. He was older, and he wore some kind of, always wore this blue plaid shirt, whether it was skinny plaid or fat plaid stripes. I like plaid. You could always tell Ed. 
He was always neatly tucked in. His shirt was always tucked in. Ed knew all of our names, whether we were brand new to the bus or not. Hey, David. And he always showed us respect, and he showed us kindness. Ed had practiced patience in his life. But let's face it, when you drive a bus, kids do not consider being compassionate or considerate to the driver too often. And when the after-schoolers, all of us, we boarded good old bus 39, loud conversations would happen almost immediately. A lot of teasing as well. You know, boys teasing girls, girls outwitting the boys quite easily at that age. Now, as a second grader, as I said, I just quietly listened and I observed and I kind of faded into the tapestry of a vinyl brown bench bus seat. Alliteration. (laughs) I observed my school bus crowd of kids, mostly older than me, all draw lines in the sand to see who could be the loudest, the meanest, the coolest, the most creepy, etc. There was always something. A typical conversation went something like this. Let's bring up the din of the bus. Voices, please. Okay, here we go. Yeah, okay. All right, here we go. Hey, you got big ears. Your whole family's got big ears. Oh, you smell. Oh, yeah? You smell. You kids settle down back there. David, sit down. My name's Ted. Ed, not David. Come on. Your ears smell. Your mom's still fat? Sit down back there, David. Sit down. Sit down. Ed, my name is Ted. Come on. What? Your mom smells fat ears. Hey, you kids, knock it off. Knock it off. Sit down. Hey, Ted, how'd you get so ugly? Me? You're looking in the mirror, Bozo. Knock it off back there. You have the red hair. You kids? Bozo has big, smelly ears, just like you. Quiet down back there. David, David, quiet down. Sit down. Now, this routine, I had heard it a hundred times. It went on every day on the bus. Like they we were, all three of them were rehearsing a comedy club routine. Every day. It didn't change much. And Ed would pipe up, Ed the driver, would pipe up every third or fourth comment. It was like he was doing his part in a script. Anyway... Ed could have chosen just to lay back and, you know, let it all go. But for some reason, Ed chose to enter most of the immature kids' conversations. The banter. He was a part of the banter. Installed on the bus, a PA. Now, I'll never forget when a public address system was installed on the bus early that same fall. So... Ed, the driver, could speak in a normal tone. He didn't have to raise his voice or yell. It would keep his attention on the road. Okay? And all the buses were fitted with PAs at that time. So that was okay. That day, as we boarded the bus after school, Ed Ed. excitedly showed us the PA system with a handheld microphone that you could press your thumb in and that would activate the microphone. So the whole idea was that Ed could speak in his regular voice with the assistance of the microphone and the PA system. His voice would be amplified and it could be heard through the four new speakers placed around the inner perimeter of good old bus 39. No more having to yell for Ed. (laughs) As we took our seats that day, Ed demonstrated and he 
held up the microphone, and when he pushed the little knob in the side, you could hear the click through the speakers. Sit down back there, David. Thank you. Cool. Whoa, we all said to one another, that's cool. We kind of looked at each other and, you know, nodded our heads. Yeah, nice. However, as the bus pulled off, in the din of the bus, sound levels rose to an average day's volume. The daily routines began, and the banter all began again. You got big ears. Your whole family's got big ears. You smell. Oh, yeah? You smell. You could settle down back there. I can't hear you, Ed. What? I said, you kids settle down back there. Sit down back there, David. What are you saying? With that, Ed reached down and turned up the volume. Now Ed was totally distorted, and he spoke again. Okay, sit down back there. Sit down back there, David. It was the last time Ed used the PA. He just went back to yelling at full volume, and I have to tell you, the kids on the bus did like Ed, but they just did not respond well to him. Good old Bus 39 driver Ed was kindly referred to as Old Yeller. Old Yeller. Last one off. Now, I was the last kid off of the bus, and when it was just Ed and me on the bus, no more students, just the two of us, Ed wound us around the rural country roads, and he always took one particular route where good old bus 39 hit a rounded kind of bump in the road. And when that happened, I would literally fly up about a foot out of my seat. And to me, it was fun. It was like a carnival ride. Ed always looked up to see the flying of the child event every single day. <laughs> In the bus's large rearview coach mirror, he could look up and see what was going on behind him. Every day, we did this. Now, Ed watched me shoot up out of my smooth vinyl seat and then come straight back down onto the soft vinyl smoothness. For me, it was just plain fun. I always laughed out loud each day when it happened. It was fun. Ed knew I was not trouble, and it kind of amused Ed as well. I wasn't one of the kids that provoked him, so it was Ed's way of having a laugh at the end of a long day for both of us. I was so taken by the writing of good old Bus 39 featuring Ed, the white-haired yeller, that <laughs> the white-haired yeller, that I found myself sharing stories and my bus drawings with my grandfather began to go home and draw the bus. I kind of liked it. It was cool. When you're second grade, you do some interesting and different things. My grandfather and I were quite close at that age still, and my grandpa remarked how I always drew words behind the bus as it was driving down the road in my still picture drawing. I penciled in the words, boom, boom, boom. My grandpa pointed out to me that that was the bus backfiring. Very cool, I thought. Yeah, apparently I was impressed with backfiring in second grade. The day. Then the day came. It would prove to be one of those days etched in your brain for a lifetime, and I still remember it very clearly, even today. 
My father was driving my sister and I to school one winter day in the family car. It was our second car. It was a red Volkswagen. My sister Sue sat in the front passenger side, and it was sixth grade for her. And me, second grade, I was sitting in the back seat passenger side. As we drove over the train bridge on Route 20, we noticed cars had put their brakes on and were beginning to slow down. Something had just happened on the road up ahead. An accident. And it wasn't too far away from where we were, and it seems that it just happened. There were only a couple of cars in front of us, so we were fairly close to what just happened. I could see that there was a car on fire, and I saw a person had been thrown from another car onto the pavement. Frightened, yet very naive, I kept watching and looking. As we slowly paralleled the terrible accident, my father, a good man, realized that the visual of what was coming was very frightening, terrifying to view for children. He said nothing, but I remember he reached over quickly and grabbed my sister's chin and steered her face firmly away as not to look at what was there. My dad did not want us to see the person in the road. He could not reach the back seat to turn my head. However, I saw it. I saw everything. I saw a man in the road had been ejected from his car, and he rolled slowly to his knees and got himself into a a praying position. I saw him thrust his arms to heaven, and he yelled something. I don't know what it was. I could tell he was praying. I could tell he was in pain. He needed God's divine assistance at that time. The man in the road was hurt, injured, bleeding badly. Now, if this was real, not TV, this was terrible. Blood was exiting from his body, his right leg. Worst of all, blood was streaming down the left temple of his head. Now, when you're a kid and when you least expect it, sometimes life can get pretty real. So these days, as a parent myself, I know that I would not want my children to see this type of injury. So I thoroughly understand why my dad did, held my sister's face away. I understand why he did it. Closer. As our car slowly rolled by the accident and the man in the road, only less than 10 feet from our car, knelt a gravely injured man in the road, as I said. My sister Sue could not see him because her head was pulled away. But I could. I saw him. He was pale, weak, and then I saw it. His shock of white hair, his long, lanky body, and a blue, blood-stained, plaid, wide-striped shirt still tucked in. Ed. It was Ed. Bus 39, Ed. live for today. It was the last time I saw Ed. He was not on his route that afternoon driving good old bus 39. Ed never returned. At that age, you wonder, you ask questions. But from my parents' behaviors and responses, you get the feeling that it might be best not to know too much. 
I stopped drawing bus pictures. It just wasn't fun anymore. I just didn't feel like it. I missed the days of Ed flying me out of my seat over that bump in the road. His smile. Every day he had a smile. I missed Ed. He was a good man. But I never told him. Replacements. Sure, there needed to be a replacement for bus 39. Bonnie. Bonnie was the first replacement, and she lasted two or three years. Hi, Bonnie. She was different. She was thick, curly, red-haired lady, and had this cool way of mispronouncing, not intentionally mispronouncing, but this is just how she spoke. All her S's, she always said as Z's. For example, she'd say... I'll tell you what, this buzz can't get any safer. Zally sells seashells by the seashore. Zooper. And after her came a woman named Barb, who was very petite and very kind, but she was shrill. I tell you, no cheating thieves, sit! Ow! Now since then, I've taken other buses. They've taken me home, to and from sporting events, football, track, whatever, on ski trips, on field trips, but none of the drivers had the class and that kind smile that Ed delivered daily without fail. Every day, driving good old bus 39. So what did we learn today? What did I learn? Well, it was interesting. First off, I have to say that somebody can be in your life for such a short time, just months, and make such a great impression. Either Because Ed was a character, but yet he was a very kind, caring man, and it showed. Very interesting. Time is precious. You know, time is, is, is present day. It's present time. It's right now. Use time properly. If you see someone doing a great job in your day-to-day, or even just a regular job, talk to that person. Let them know you did a good job, or thank you. After all, as I said, tomorrow is not promised. And doesn't everyone deserve a smile and a kind word back to them? It may just make their day. Who knows, right? It can't hurt. So, here's to Ed. Good old Bus 39, Ed. Part of my life's learning curve. Thank you, Ed, and all other bus drivers out there. As we wrap up season three, three full seasons of podcasting. That's amazing. I can't believe it. It's gone by so quickly. We will see you in season four. I can't wait to get going. We've got some ideas already in place. I've got a couple of outlines going as well. So, until we see you again or hear you again in season four, for Life's Learning Curve, I'm Paul Hart.
Subscribe to Life's Learning Curve at lifeslearningcurve.org and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser. Episode 57, good old 39 of Life's Learning Curve podcast was put together by producer Sebastian T. Dog, executive producer Paul Hart, technical director Robin Edwards, editor Paul Richards, audio and sound Riley Hart, production manager Heidi Cerner. Find us on Facebook and listen to us just about everywhere podcasts are heard these days. Visit our website, lifeslearningcurve.org, and subscribe, read a blog, or shoot us an email. This episode has imaginative voice recreations. To protect the privacy of others, some names have been changed and characters conflated. Good old 39, episode 57, the last of season three. I'm Paul Hart, and we will be back next month, proudly beginning season four, with more guests and more stories from Life's Learning Curve. We're clear. We're clear.